Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence. Through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Welcome back to the Larkcast. Um, good to be here. You know, I was thinking, Russ, the other day. I think I was like in the shower or something. And um, good thing. You know, like well. we, we get a lot of we get a lot of people, you know, who reach out and say they're like thankful for the podcast and you know, in a lot of different angles. You know, people you know come at this. You get the whole man. I never knew that good news is this good or something like this yeah. out here existed yeah. or holy cow like man like dude like my heart's jumping out of my chest grace really is amazing and i, I lost that mm. i was working really really hard you know what i'm saying just like coming alive and in good news yeah. and um and then some other people who are like man i felt this way for a really long time but you guys have, have put language to how i felt um and they're just like eating it up and so we get like people who, you know, are thankful for the Lark cast and, and that's awesome. Like the encouragement is, is so good and so needed, even as, you know, burly 40 year old dudes, you know, for us to admit, like, no, we, we like, we need that. <laughs> we need that encouragement <laughs> to keep going. Uh, please send your encouragement to us. We're very fragile human beings. Um, but I was thinking like, damn it, I'm thankful for the Lark cast because like this like this is this is my space too you know this is my mm. like, as much as you guys love this and need this like i need this i need these conversations i'm encouraged just as much you know going through this so i'm i'm thankful for the largcast and i look forward to to doing this every week yeah man well said dude and i would uh i concur there's a uh something that I've learned, I feel like over the years that I've like often within our work, you finally start to be able to put language to what you have sort of felt or sensed. And I'm fully convinced that people learn to live free, <clears throat> excuse me, in conversations with the free. Hmm. That's a definite like discovery, a decade long search for answers uh, in the world of of, of ministry people learn to live free in conversations with the free but i think there's a a flip side of that coin same coin and that's that people experience their freedom when they help others experience theirs yes and that's what this space has been for me this conversation that you and i have together or uh, you know me and jameson or me you and jameson it's this conversation that digging into these things and passing these things on just, you know, to you, man. And then of course, to other people, that's where I experience freedom and amen to, I, I need this probably uh, not just as much, but maybe more <laughs> than all of you out there who are listening and supporting this work. So man, cheers to the space. Uh, not that I dig out uh, old quotes um, from old 
pastor dudes in my life, but I remember this one guy being like, yeah, I think, you know, I think God knows like the teacher types aren't necessarily as, uh, not like the, like true teacher types, but I think more like teachers, like you and I, like, we love the conversation, but the, the, the studying's kind of like, you know, (laughs) it's like, you know, the platform provides like a cool opportunity for, you know, an otherwise, an otherwise, um, maybe not as a a discipline, you know, person in, in reading and, and thinking and, and stuff like that. And again, like, I think goes back to your point of like keeping those conversations up, those close conversations and those relationships, they keep you, they keep you smart or they keep you, they keep you in the game, you know, they keep you not smart, but they keep you sharp. Um, you know, when, when you get into a conversation with someone and they have some pushbacks and they have some questions and stuff like that, you know, it really drives, it really drives you, drives you back. It drives you back to, you know, you know, some of the stuff that, you know, like a, like a Capen or a Reclaim or a Lark cast or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. And this is something that we drove home in Reclaim, like this idea of like discipleship, basically just being a friend, a friend yeah. full of good news in the world. Yeah. Um, and those are, those are important just for your own, own, for you personally. Uh, Cause it keeps you, keeps you coming back. Yeah. Yeah. That passing on of that, of the scandal, man, that being a, a friend, it, it's funny how it works, but it drives your own discipleship. Yes. The people who I feel like are learning the most eating up, you know, everything that, that, that we're putting out and what others are putting out are the people who are calling in weekly, man. And what I've noticed about them and all the, on all the learning that they're doing and the excitement and the joy and, you know what I mean? This adventure, all of them are involved in helping others live free. They're having conversations. Even if it's just a spouse or their kids or neighbors or coworkers or whatever. Yeah. Th- those conversations, man, are really driving their learning. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's awesome, man. And I, um, let me just go ahead and say this, dude, before we jump into Galatians to all of our listeners out there. One, just because I think sometimes, you know, in this little moment we're having here, man, I'm just like, damn, thank you. Right? Just I'm thankful for the space. I'm thankful for the opportunity to do this. And I just want to say thank you to all of you who have been supporting this work. Yes. There's man, there's there's we we live. Let me just say it as quick as I can. I guess what I'm trying to say is churches are everywhere. <laughs> they are. But the scandalous conversations that actually set people free are really, really, really rare. Almost impossible to find. Yeah. So that's where LARC comes in. We're not only committed to being that conversation for you through all of our resources like this one and others, but to even empowering you to be that friend who's having those conversations. Mm-hmm. But this is all made possible by the generous support of listeners everywhere. So viewers thank you. like you, viewers like you, viewers like you. Um, but no, on a, on a serious note, it is it is viewers like you who are helping us. Together, we're ending the the scarcity of scandalous conversations. Mm-hmm. And so we've got some cool news that's come out about that, and some new some new goals that we've set for Lark going into 2024 and some, a pretty neat vision. I feel like that's in front of us. So um, reach out. If you've got more questions on that, go to the website, you'll find some info there and um, we can fill you in, but, and just 
cheers to the conversation and to the people who are making it happen, man. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yep. And cheers to this ongoing conversation in Galatians. Paul is continuing his dismantling of the donkey doctrine, uh, the blending of the spirited horse that is the gospel um, with a useful and helpful donkey known as ethics, um, good works. Um, but these, oh. these Judaizers, they've, they've bred the two and they've created a jackass uh, known as what these guys are grabbing onto over here in Galatia. And Paul's now turning, um, turning the argument from the perspective of a covenant which isn't necessarily, you know, something that we get in our day, in our culture, because we just know contracts, right? Covenants are kind of not really a thing that we, we use in, in, in our culture, but yeah. Paul's deep, you know, he's, he's dipping, he's dipping back into, you know, the bag, the relationship that Abraham had with God, the covenant, you know, the Abrahamic covenant this covenant that God has made with us, the new covenant. And he's coming at it from that, this perspective in uh, chapter three, 10 to 14. He is. And he's coming in. I feel like with some very simple truths, they're complex in some ways. And I'm just going to go ahead and say this. I think they're complex because I think Jameson might've, uh, might you know might have might have said this the best but there humans are oftentimes especially especially religious people are intoxicated with logic reasoning you could say mm -hmm. right we constantly are bringing our human frail logic our reasoning into this equation about what god is like and how he operates and what he can and cannot do and we're almost like drunk on it. And in that drunken stupor, we're, we're unable to actually see reality, hmm. the reality that defies our reasoning, our logic. And I think that's why we keep wrestling with this. So what Paul, I feel like, is saying here in this part of, of chapter three is he's unpacking something that is is deep and rich in a way right like it's it's complex but yet at the same time it's so simple mm -hmm. it's such a simple reality and i and i wonder if if jameson might be onto something in the fact that it's our intoxication with <laughs> with reasoning that makes it complex yeah and so i i don't know about you man but i'm gonna do my best in this episode here to not turn this into something that is this, you know, brain twisting, you know what I mean? Wowing moment that sometimes happens within Christian circles when we teach on right good news. And maybe we can find a way to just let it be this simple. So verse 10, Paul I think says, what you're saying all... is like, you could really <laughs> like get into, you know, like Jordan Peterson level, like reasoning oh, yeah. and oratory skills, but you're just going to bless all of us. And, you know, just, you know, kind of dumb it down and share it like a Florida cracker would that is that kind of what you're saying? I was using Jesus as an example. 
but we could go with we could go with cracker. Jesus was the original Florida cracker, dude. He was. He was. <laughs> That's the OG. Yep. Yeah, I was I was in a conversation with somebody about that word the other day. They're like, man, I just you know, that word is just so derogatory. And I'm like, well, the word cracker was just a reference to the Florida Cowboys, which were the first cowboys in America who moved cattle. <laughs> That's all, that's all the words. Dude, I recently but, discovered this white hip hop artist and he's got like a wandering eye. He like looks like he looks like a he looks like a sound dude at a mega church. His name's John Wayne, and one of his album covers is just the saltine cracker. It's so great. I will spit my coffee out. <laughs> Cause I sadly got that reference as soon as you mentioned it. Um, so back to verse 10. In, in the name of simplicity, Paul says, for all who rely on works of the law, okay, all of you who are out there trying to do the religious thing of, of being serious and faithful and pursuing all elements of morality, okay, if that's your game plan for life with God, he says, are under a curse, for it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them bro it's like he's really taking the gloves off here for their good you know it's uh i think you've referenced it in some of our past episodes like he brings a beautiful wound yeah it's something that hurts to hear mm. um especially with if you're uh if you really do feel like you're bringing something to the table you want to handle in this you're desperate for you know that feeling of control if that's you like this, man, this hurts. And I'm just going to go ahead and say that probably is you because that's me. That's us. That's humanity. That's our story from the garden. Yeah. Cause so no one's saying, look, you want to towards the gospel. No, and there's only don't. one other way to drift away from a life of trust. Yeah. Yeah. So if the law is your plan, if morality is your plan, if ethics are your plan, Okay, to produce that in you and in the lives of other people for this better world that you've got in mind, if that's your plan for life with God, how you come in, how you stay in, how you grow, whatever you want to fill in the blank, if that's your plan, then just go ahead and know you're screwed. That's what he says. For it is written. Cursed. Cursed. Not only do you need to know all of these things, but you must do them perfectly. This was Jesus' entire message leading into the Sermon on the Mount. Hey. All of you think a wonder-working Messiah has come to make the world straighten up and fly right. You think reform is your need and not resurrection. You think you need a guide instead of a savior. Mm -hmm. I get it. So let me go ahead and take what you think's needed, your entire construct of religion. Let me take all of that and show you what it really means and make it clear to you that the, that the call here is to be perfect, Jesus says in Matthew 5, as your heavenly father is perfect. Mm -hmm. It's the ultimate mirror. Yep. To help you really see what's really going on. It's, it's very, very simple. The righteous, however, I'm sorry, verse 11. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. It's evident for it's all of you who are honest, a given <laughs> it, it is evident that 
that you have looked into the mirror and you have found dirt upon your face. Okay. He says, and so to keep you and I from spending our lives rubbing our face on a mirror, thinking that it will somehow make it clean. Let me save you from the propensity of that insanity and just go ahead and tell you right now that the righteous shall live by faith. Mm -hmm. Not only are you, not only are you justified by the faith of Jesus in an objective way, right? Yep. We saw he, that earlier. He did the two. work. Yep. He lived, died, and rose again. He did the saving objectively in time and space in history. Yep. That happened apart from your opinion. Whether you trust it or don't trust it does not give its give it its power. Its power is in Jesus alone. Subjectively, we grab onto this, and the only way to grab onto it is by faith. Because he did all the doing that needs to be done. It is finished. Yeah. The doing is done. <laughs> right? And so the Simple. righteous. That's going to go on the right, front of our website going forward. The doing the doing's is done. done. <laughs> the doing's done. And the only option um, is to look at the cross, to look at the resurrection, to look at, at Jesus with a heart full of like just wanting to just do it man make your own way in this world and really just be enough in and of yourself to die to that really like the language he uses is to find yourself crucified to find yourself crucified and subjectively grab onto that by faith so not only are you, uh, not only are you justified by faith not only in Jesus's life death and resurrection and the way that Jesus trusted the father and lived a life of faith and dependence on the father objectively subjectively were justified by faith but the righteous shall live by faith it's yeah. almost like the, the righteous shall live by faith is shorthand for galatians 2:20 i've been crucified with christ it's no longer i who live but the life i now live i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself up for me the yeah. righteous the truly righteous, meaning those who have found their righteousness in Jesus, not their two-bit righteousness that they can muster up in their own good deeds. The righteous shall live by faith. And then he says, the law, however, is not of faith. There's no faith at all when it comes to the law. It's just get to work. But think about that, man. Think about how much time you've spent in the past, how much time I've spent in the past. Um, and even sometimes find ourselves, right, going there in the present, just to be clear, we're not above this, but how many times have, have we spent ourselves in the name of faith, okay, in the name of following Jesus, that at its core was nothing other than our lack of faith, our unbelief, or what we were calling faithfulness was actually faithlessness. Hmm. So when the pushbacks come, I remember my pushbacks on this <clears throat> in the past, and in all that Paul's really saying here, because man, I too was duped. I too had let, I too had allowed religion to rob me of the very life that Jesus gave me. And I kept fighting this man with like, man, what, what do we need to do? So what are you saying? Like, I mean, we need to be doing, we need to be becoming, we need to, be, and it's like, well, just go right here to what we've already talked about in chapter two and three, as you just brought up. And then Paul even goes on adding to that to, to show us that 
the same way you entered into this reality, the way, the way by which you've awakened to reality, your union with God by faith, is the same way you grow. And now what he's saying is, it's how you live. So you're trying to bring something to the table constantly in the name of faithfulness is actually faithlessness. Mm. You want to know, like, so what do I do then? Um, go live your life of faith in Jesus. Go wake up every day and say, Jesus, what are we doing today? <laughs> and go walk in whatever you see him doing. And where you wrestle, be honest and talk to him about it. Talk to your brothers and sisters about it. Continue to encourage others as you're encouraged by them and good news, man, in the, in the everyday pace of life. Yeah. What will tomorrow bring? I don't know. Find out. Yep. But that's the life of faith. What you're trying to do and all of your religious rhythms and all of your what must we do's and all of your fill in the blanks and all of your pushbacks that this is lawlessness. <laughs> no, what you're doing is lawlessness. Mm -hmm. You're being liberal with the law to drag it into the realm of the possible. Mm. And thus being liberal with grace, you're the one that's actually nullifying it. Yeah. And what's sad is in doing so, while you're walking around thinking this is faithful, it's actually faithless. You're yeah. missing out on life. Right. That was what somebody literally looked at me in a coffee shop in Chicago, 2013. And dude, I was like stumped and still haven't gotten over it, which is probably why I'm passionately ranting right now. I'll stop. No, <laughs> we all love it. But, um, but because the the trick is or yeah the the deception of it is a life given to the law will only give you a veneer of love yeah. it will only give you a veneer um a deceptive veneer of caring for others because really what you're doing is working on yourself because yeah. the whole time the whole time you're working right whether it's you're a Judaizer and you're looking at the law or you're a Christian trying to like be the kind of person that has true saving faith, true, genuine yep. saving faith and bearing fruit and making sure that that, that faith is genuine and, and not short-lived and, and false, right? So that you can find security that it actually stuck, yep. that Jesus is actually in you, Right that you're actually in, that you're actually justified. You're going to be doing and checking all these boxes and obsessed with all these things that need to be done. And it might have a veneer of volunteerism. It might have a veneer of neighboring. It might have a veneer of generosity, right? It might have a veneer of self-control, <laughs> but really, dude, you're working on you. You're yes. working on you. Yeah, it's an endless, forever, nonstop, spiritual, navel-gazing journey. And, and that's why it's not a faith, because faith, by definition, looks outside of yourself onto somebody else. Yeah. So we've, and that's, so we've cooked the terms. We've called faith, like in some camps, it's like a body of doctrine, right? Contend for the faith. So you got to have yeah. like all this theology, like, you know, tightened up. Buttoned up. Yeah. yeah. Or how's your faith? Meaning, how are you doing? How are you performing in the Christian life? But the scriptures, dude, like right here, it's literally just one thing, just dependence on a person. And that person yeah. is Jesus.
Yep, you're justified by his faith, his perfect love. Because yours and mine, yeah, it ain't it. And by that will faith, bear fruit. It will. Yeah. It will if you if you trust it, right? But it's not it's so like, much aimed at in advance. It's noticed in reverse. We're gonna get to that. We're gonna like Paul gets to that later in this yeah. book. We're gonna have plenty of time to get to that. We've talked about it in John 15. Yep. It will come, but it's not gonna come from you. It's going to come yeah. from a certain person mentioned in the very last verse of this podcast. Yeah. It's a, uh, and you could kind of see Paul, like, like moving people, like progressively, like moving them through this, you know, like the, what Jesus has done. Let's not get this confused. It's a right. It's of him, not of us. Our faith is what awakens us to reality. This is by how we enter into our enjoyment of the union. That's already been brought about. It's how we grow. Right, same way as by faith, trusting Him, walking with Him, um, and then like even here, like He's even showing like it even how all things even come to fruition. This is this is our very life. He's saying, this is the life you've been given. You've been given a life of faith, a life of living independence on the God who created you by way of His Son. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful adventure, man. Everything you're looking for is there. You already have it. And sadly, what Paul's saying to the Galatians here is you've been duped and what you're now holding up as faith is actually faithless. And what's so sad is like, you don't even see the irony in this. That's a hard pill to swallow, but the law is not a faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them through and through thought, intention, not what knowledge. First of all, you have to have a knowledge of the law, right? Yep. So already these Gentiles in Galatia are at a disadvantage because they didn't grow up with the law like these Judaizers did. So they're assuming like, oh, okay, cool. Like now you have to kind of like retrofit like a lifetime of knowledge of the law, mm -hmm. right? Get circumcised to celebrate like the beginning of this journey for you of a life lived according to the law. Jesus can fit in there for sure, but really it's kind of like this law stuff. You got to have yeah. knowledge, your intention and your follow through. Perfect. Yeah. Like across the board in every aspect, bro. Yeah, he just keeps beating that drum. And I know we do as well. And, and you know, you, I know for some people, they're like, okay, okay, I get it. But I, <laughs> I don't I don't think we do. I think that's what Paul's showing us here. No one drifts towards the gospel. So we just have to continuously, either we're learning this for our own joy or we're learning this and being reminded of this uh, to help others enter into joy. Mm. The, the life that you've been given is a life of faith in the Son. The will of God, John 6, is that you believe. It's not that you become like Christ. It's that you believe in Christ, who is your life. And then right here, Paul goes on in verse 13 and just lays it out, man, and says, guys, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. 
so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through getting it together. Just kidding. It says through faith, through faith, through faith, through faith. We might awaken to this Christ. That's what we're celebrating this Christmas season, right? The incarnation, the story about a God, the God, the only one who loved his creation enough to become the very thing we're trying to overcome mm. our humanity and takes our place and all that comes with that to help us see that we've always been loved. His grace has always been over us. First Timothy is pretty plain about that. Paul says, the grace of God was given to all before the beginning of time, but it has now been made manifest in the coming of our savior, Jesus Christ. Let's go, dude. That's amazing. That's amazing. So why do we wrestle with this? Why do we have the pushbacks? Why do we have this desire to bring something to the table, to become something better in Jesus, to build a better world in the name of Jesus? Why, I mean, I'm just saying, like, why do we bring, why do we drag that into life with God? Why do we drag those ideas into our union with God? I think it simply comes down to the fact that like Jesus's audience, we do not realize, as John says, that he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Takes away, means literally removes from the world. The word there is cosmos, from the world. So when someone's like, yeah, but what about this? And what about that? And what about this? It's like, well, did Jesus take away the sins of the world? Did he become sin for us? Yes or no? Yes. Did he take away the sins of the world in his death upon the cross? Yes or no? Okay, well, then that means that what is true of Jesus is true of you and I. There's no in-between. Either he did take away the sins of the world and we are now alive and well in him, or we're not. Yeah, which is which is why um, Paul says, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book um of the law or you're you're accursed right you're goddamn yep. is what he said earlier um yep. you're grabbing onto a different gospel which is no gospel at all why because it's hell. there's only <laughs> there's only redemption in one place in one place and yep. you're willfully cognitively digging your heels in and calling him a liar and saying you're going to just going to go at this thing on your own and you know what's so stupid about it? It's so unnecessary. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to yeah. be. Yep. I know Michelle's book, man, he tells a story, true story about a, a man that he knew was a doctor who back in the day um, was, a, I think he was a psychologist and he was meeting with a woman who was really struggling. She had had an affair in her marriage and it was in the past but she was just like really wrestling with it. it was eating her up inside you know what i'm saying it was just it was bad dude like the hell of it all you could say and so she goes and she meets and she's working and they're trying to get to the cause of like the anxiety in her life and they really come upon this 
this uh this issue this struggle and most importantly they come upon the struggle of her perception of god in it and after talking through that and talking about the very verses that we're looking at right here in in galatians about the one who became sin for us the one who takes away the sins of the world for us she uh she hears she works through this she man there's like this beautiful like realization in her story and then after a, a good while of tears and gratitude she looks at him and she goes i guess i need to now go home and tell my husband everything and michelle says the doctor looked at her and he goes excuse me she goes i just feel like i really need to go home and i now need to tell him this story and dude, he looks back at her. He goes, what story? In light of what we just looked at, what story? Yep. The one that he took away? Are they swallowed the one that up? He became himself, the one who became that sin and then swallowed up that sin on your behalf. I'm just have saying, not, I'm going to let that have sit Have they there, not been I know thrown in a tomb to be buried forever? Have yeah. they not been removed from you as far as the East is from the West? Have they no. not been to rob a phrase from you drop down the black hole? That is Jesus life, death and resurrection. Yeah. He's taken and, away the know, sins of the world. When you first hear that story, man, you can start running through your mind about like, well, what about like worthy and unworthy repentance and confession? And what about like, you know, plans for the future? And there's all these things, you know what I'm saying? That kind of get factored into that. And I love the way he told the story because I'm just being honest, man. There's all that kicked up in me. And I start going down my list. And I'm like, that that sounds a little like dangerous though. Yeah. Yeah. And he goes, yeah. Yeah, it is dangerous. But it's what Jesus has done and declared. It's what Paul has brought to us all to reckon with hmm. i'm like yeah but and then eventually i found myself going man you know what i'm doing right now i'm turning back to the law to assure a desired outcome instead of by faith trusting in what jesus has done and what jesus can do in the life of this woman as she moves forward in her life of faith. And I'm like, dang, dude, you can like cut that kind of tension with a knife. Yep. But it's true. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier in the podcast, where we're intoxicated with human logic. Yep. Which is what makes us lovers of the law instead of lovers of Jesus. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant, and I know that I, I I kicked it off with with the covenant language. We'll probably save that for next next week. But the the hint of it is is there, and he's going to drop another bomb um, in fifteen. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, a promise mm. he made, yeah. a covenant that God made 
with Abraham. And this wasn't a contract. This was a one-sided affair, right? That God just God just chose um, Abraham as a figurehead that represent all people. Mm-hmm. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. These people that you thought were on the outs, dude. These people you thought were excluded from this thing. Yep. So that in Christ Jesus, because he was the seed promise to come from Abraham, might come to the Gentiles that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Oh, you think this is all about performance and living a life under the law, a cursed life under the law, so that Mm. you can be included through your efforts? This is a life of faith. And really, the story begins a long, long time ago with a promise that God made to one dude named Abraham. And this seed eventually came. His name's Jesus. And the life we now live, we live by faith in this Jesus who loved us and gave himself for us. Oh, and the promise of God's presence, right? This this thing that he's given us, this tangible thing that he's given yeah. us so that we will just know like our inheritance is guaranteed. Yeah, it came to the Gentiles without circumcision. Yeah. Back to what you were talking about with Paul, even in the beginning, right? Hey, yeah. see these guys over here? Yeah. Yeah, they stood before the very people who held the truths of Jesus. And you know what they didn't require of them? What you're requiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The faithful camp is faithless. So hey, let me read this before we cheer. Oh, okay. I just got a, a, it. It's quick, but I thought it's, we were. I thought we were cheersing. Oh, I thought you were cheering. Pause on the man, cheersing. This is man. I got one a, swig left. I'll hold it. This is the such a, a a beautiful truth. But in looking at that story, Michelle, he, going back to him, he, he wrote, "Hear the good news. Whatever your story, the hurt you can't let go of, the gossip and backbiting and double talk, the forgiveness you withheld." until it was too late, the doubts that linger, the disappointments you still resent, the relationship you let fester, the lies you tell to shroud your addiction, the truth you're too cowardly to come out with, the handout you withheld, the frustration that others aren't as faithful as you, the gift you gave with strings attached, the if-bombs you throw down as conditions of your love, the prodigal you won't welcome home, the prejudice, the self-righteousness and sanctimony that feels so good for a second, especially when it's about politics, but then it sticks on you like a bad smell on your shoe. Secret you can't keep hidden in the dark corner closet of your heart. Whatever your story, Paul's saying here, in accordance to what Jesus has done, what story? What story? Christ Jesus has set you free from that story this is literally galatians chapter 3 verse 13 to 14 christ jesus has set you free from that story by becoming that story for you it doesn't get much better than that bro to live or to say or to pursue or to push others into any other narrative is to call jesus a liar and my lord and savior jesus christ ain't no liar (laughs) so man to that and to that to that Cheers. cheers